Welcome to All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast, where all bodies are good bodies, all bikes are good bikes, and all rides should be celebrated. All Bodies on Bikes is a movement to create and foster a size-inclusive bike community. So join your hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Marley. As we explore the complexities of the biking world, help us break down barriers and create the world that we want to see. And don't forget that all bodies really means all bodies, not just larger bodies, but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride. Hey! Hi, Maggie. Hey, Marley. How's it going? Oh my gosh. I am good. I had a busy weekend. Yeah? What happened? Uh, well, I got my first podium in a race ever. I saw that. That's amazing. <laughs> the funny part is, is like, I was not pushing myself hard at all. Um, there just happened to only be three people in my category and but in my field. Nobody has to know that. Yeah. And it doesn't freaking matter. Like, exactly. on a podium. I never thought I was competitive, but now that I've been on a podium, I'm like, oh, this is fun. How do I make this happen more often? Yeah. Um, but cyclocross is still silly hard and, uh, <laughs> it was just a local race here in Arkansas, but I had so much fun at it. So that's fantastic. And then I started a new job. You did. Where are you working? What are you doing? <laughs> um, I started working at a coffee shop called Java dudes. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. They're a local queer owned coffee shop and I don't necessarily need to be working outside of all bodies on bikes, but I found myself going a little bit stir crazy at home. Um, Fair. so just a part-time thing, hopefully get my brain back moving and interacting with society a little more. And I forgot how hard it is to stand on your feet for eight hours. Yeah. That's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about this week? I mean, you know, we thought you and I, cause you were there, uh, that we talk about events cause you have done a lot of events. I have done some events. We have done a cross section of event singular. And so <laughs> We have both kind of seen the presence and also lack thereof of inclusion when it comes to cycling events. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to dive into what's being done well and what needs to be done better and finding out from uh, our good friend Greer, who is the like head of making sure everybody's happy at SBT. Um, I, get her. I, like that title. I mean, you know, that's basically what she does in my experience, at least. Um, but get her in on the conversation and make a plan to move forward on, on inclusion at cycling events. Sounds like a, a good topic. I'm excited, yeah. but you know, it's funny because I avoided cycling events for a long time mm. when I first started riding. Um, you know, I was commuting places, I was adventuring, I was going on rides with my friends, but I never saw myself as like a person who goes to events and like puts on the Lycra and like rides in the big groups um what about you have you done events since the beginning of your cycling career or what does that look like for you so my problem is I hear about something I'm like oh you need a bike to do that well then I can do it I don't need any prior information about where we're going to be biking or how long or how steep or any of that information I just have a bicycle so I'll just do it I love Uh, it (laughs) yeah well it's gotten me in trouble a couple of times (laughs) okay tell us um so like my first event that I ever went to was uh, I took my, oh no, I had my new bike at the time. So I had a decent bike moving forward, which is like, all bikes are good bikes, but. But some work better one, for yes, exactly. more events than others. 
Um, but I ended up in the mountains of North Carolina. It was like, it's, a, I believe it's a 27 mile ride with, I think like right at 2,700 feet of elevation gain. Ooh, that is yeah. no joke. And I just was like, sure, psh, I can do that. <laughs> um, and I ended up, you know, but that's, that's my interaction with events is just, oh, you need a bike. I can do that. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go do the thing. So um i wasn't scared to sign up for the event because i read about something that requires a bicycle and i just forget anything else exists that i should be concerned about i love that and at its core you are 100 correct yeah um, but on the other hand i know at least for myself and a lot of folks that i've heard from events can be really scary which makes sense you know, am i fast enough do i have the right equipment am i gonna get left behind are the aid stations still gonna be there when i'm the last person out there. Um, yeah. So it can be a really fraught experience. Um, Absolutely. I got incredibly lucky. My first big bike event was um, Bike MS. Um, so okay. if you're familiar with the MS Society, Multiple Sclerosis Society, one of their big fundraisers is a number of rides across the country. Yeah. And um, I, the place where I worked put together a corporate team. So they, if you hit your minimum amount of fundraising, they supplied you with a jersey and shorts um, and camping and food and basically the setup for the whole weekend. Okay. So all you have to do is go up there and ride your bike. To this day, that is still one of my all-time favorite events. Highly, highly encourage folks to get involved with Bike MS wherever you're at. Each awesome. each region does it a little differently. Anyway, ne neither here nor there. Um, so I went and I was on my basket bike. Um, I had it set up kind of like a Ronda Nuring bike. So I had fenders, I had thick tires, not too thick, but like my bike was set up to go long distances and I show up and people are looking at me like, you're going to ride that thing. And I was like, well, yeah, of course it's really comfortable. I'm only riding 60 miles, but they're all on their featherweight carbon mm -hmm. $10,000 fancy bicycles. Um, so I, I felt othered until the day of the event. Um, the morning of the event, they had what they called a victory lap where anybody who was living with multiple sclerosis was encouraged or welcome to do one lap around um, kind of the event grounds. It was a one mile loop and they had options if you needed to do less than that. Yeah. But the support for everybody doing this and like the tears and just the joy and the excitement really kind of reframed the bike event for me from a you know, this is a fancy bike event to no, this is something to celebrate joyful movement on a bicycle yeah. and the fact that our bodies still let us do this. Yeah. Um, and so that really set the tone for the rest of the event for me. Um, you know, it, it's explicitly not a race, so nobody wins. Um, okay. and that really just stands in such contrast to so many of the other events I've been to. Um, but I, it was just such a joyful way for me to enter the world of bicycle events that now when I, or when I would go to other events, I would kind of look around and be like, oh, well, I guess I stand out again, but there's nobody else here like me who rides slow like me. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it does. It does yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, I, <clears throat> you okay over there? I'm good. You know, just choking, but it's fine. Um, I do know how to administer the self Heimlich. I can instruct you through it. Okay, good. That's the one that I don't know. I'm trained in the like helping somebody else but well, from what I've learned you just gotta well I've never learned firsthand thank <laughs> god <laughs> you just like shove yourself against a chair really hard oh great that sounds like fun 
but I hope you're not you, you're talking so you're yeah not, I'm better now it's fine it was a small <laughs> choke just a tiny choke <laughs> oh lord we digress a little bit yeah it's it's fine it's fine, it's fine. speaking of your first race um <laughs> or a bit that you went to mine the one that I showed up to just because I had a bike and I could do it um I had I was working in a bike shop at the time and one of the other guys I I got nothing but support from my friends but one of the other guys unbeknownst to me kind of like slid up to one of the other guys and was like hey I feel like Maggie's probably going to need some emotional support on this race why don't you take the day off and go ride with her um and he did he came out and he has an e-bike which was technically not allowed in the race so he caught up with me a mile in because <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> racing he didn't register for the ride he just happened to be riding on the he same just happened to be riding but that's what i remember most from that day is first of all the fact that he came out um i did a lot of walking i did a lot of walking that day which i'm fine with to this day i if you're if I'm carrying my weight and the weight of a bicycle, I am still bicycling. 100%. That's my that's my way I look at that. Um, I but he was I've never gone on any ride. Like, well, that's not entirely true, but any ride of any distance without walking at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. Again. Yeah, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Repeat that over and over again. Um, but he was super patient and we had just a really great day. We ended up doing like a shorter route cuz I was just 27 was too much for that day. The other thing that I remember vividly is that ride does have like a sag vehicle. So there's the truck that comes along on the route. And if you're not moving fast enough, they will pick you up and take you to the finish line and your day is done. And the guy driving the vehicle that day, he had to be somehow moving that Toyota up mountains at less than exactly a mile an hour because he was (laughs) working so hard to let us bike. Like he did not want to pick us up. He'd pull over and just sit there until we got out of sight and then pull up to the next one and wait till we got out of sight. Uh, and finally we got to the point where we could turn off and loop back. And he, he talked to my friend. He was like, like, if you guys do this, you'll get back fast enough. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> and so I, I still really appreciate that guy. Cause I was like, you, you were doing your job, but you, it was also so apparent. He was like, you're, you're doing great. Yeah. You're oh, doing I love the that. thing, but you know, I just need to help you out a little bit because I don't want to pull you off because you're doing the thing. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, So similarly on that bike MS event, they have um, support provided by the Harley Davidson club riders who, you know, probably politically and on so many different things, we probably would not be friends or would not get along. Yeah. But they are so dang supportive and they are out there to help us change tires or just to, to be that sense of support on those events or on those races. Um, so I guess that goes to like a bigger question of like, you know, there's not one thing I can point to that makes an event feel inclusive, but if you could point to a couple things, what, what would you say? Mm. And I can help answer on my part too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, and and we'll we'll get into this a little bit with Greer, but like one of the big things is aid stations. Mm, tell me more. Um, aid stations at the pinnacle, which I would argue is what SBT's got going on. It's a freaking party halfway through your ride or a quarter, however long, it doesn't matter. Well, multiple um, times through the ride. Yeah, multiple times through the ride. It's even better. But it's just, it's, you are, we'll use the phrase in pain. <laughs> Uh, and you get to this tent and it's just 
people who are excited that you're there and they want to throw snacks at you and they've got music going and there are kids running around shaking cokes which you'll understand that story at some (laughs) point today uh but it's that that's like the best that an aid station can be the medium that an aid station can be is like here's your stroopwafel have a great day uh my the first event I ever did, I've done multiple times. And the last time I did it, I pre-rode the route three times leading up to the race to make sure, first of all, that I could just, I was just working on doing it better. Um, and yeah, yeah. And then second of all, there was one aid station and I was like, I, I was practicing to make sure I got there at least an hour before the aid station shut down. Day of the race came, I was like chugging water cause it was pretty hot. And I was like, this is fine though. Cause I get to the aid station. I can refill my bottles. <laughs> I'm getting up to the point of the aid station. There's a truck coming towards me. The guy slows down and rolls down the window. And he's like, Hey, do you know how to get to the, where you're going? And I was like, yeah. And I realized he's got tables flashing in your head right now. A little bit. Cause this is also in rural North Carolina mountains. So I'm kind of like, okay. oh, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> i noticed he's got folding tables and like the orange gatorade coolers in the back of the truck and all this stuff and i was like yeah i know he's like yeah you take the left up here if you're doing the race and i was like yeah i'm doing the race he was like all right cool have a good day and he takes off and i get to the spot where the aid station is supposed to be that was the aid station oh no he had packed up like over an hour early and just left oh my gosh and 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 it's so hard because event organizers like i've I've done events before. I've organized them. You yeah. ask your volunteers to stay there, but at the end of the day, you have zero control over what they end up doing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. similar kind of experience. Um, I was riding ground. Nope. I was riding rooted Vermont this summer, okay. which is still the hardest thing that I have ever done in my life. Okay. It was only 48 miles and I shouldn't say only, but on a, on a good day, I can bang out 48 miles and it'll be fine. But I, my headspace was just not there. It was really hot. It was really hilly. Um, and I was really struggling within the first 10, 12 miles to make it to the aid station that was at mile 16 or 17. Um, and I remember at one point I had tears streaming down my face, starting to like almost hyperventilate mm-hmm. at the thought of the aid station not being there. <laughs> and, you know, I got there and the aid station was still there. And the the two guys running it were so kind. They could tell that I was just in a bad place mentally. And they asked, can we help you with anything? And I was like, no, I just need to get some food. I'll be fine. And they just kind of walked away gracefully and <laughs> let me cry and do my thing. But they were still there, which was so wonderful and so yeah. great. Um, so yeah, I think aid stations is a huge thing. Um, for me, I think it starts way before event day. Um, I look at the marketing materials an event has. Mm-hmm. Okay. The size options. Um, because for me, what I always say is, you know, if you're marketing something, the people who are gonna come are gonna look like the people in your advertisements. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so when I'm looking at like a race's Instagram or their website, you know, yeah, it's cool to show the pointy end of the race and you know, all those really, really fast people, but who else is going to your race? You know, are you showing the folks? in the back having a good time? Are you showing, you know, paracyclists? Are you showing people in larger bodies? Um, and when I see that, that's an indicator that it's likely a fairly inclusive ride um, or event. Um, and then when I look at 
you know, the, the swag that's available. Do they have, you know, size three, four, five X, yeah. do they have multiple options available? You know, so maybe they do have only, you know, standard size t-shirts, but then they've got hats or socks or water bottles or all sorts of swag that anybody of any size could enjoy. Um, so for me, it's like, it's all those touch points. Um, I yeah. also love it when rides try and be inclusive in terms of economics. Um, yes. yeah. let's face it, this is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, running an event is expensive. There's tons of insurance and porta potties cost money. All these things add up, which is why, I mean, nobody let's get real. Nobody's getting rich running an event, yeah. but there are things that you can do to make your space more inclusive to people with less means. Um, there's a number of events this year that have offered scholarships, um, yeah. and working with brands to make it even more accessible. So I'm thinking, you know, Mid-South Gravel teamed right. up with a number of their sponsors to offer not only scholarships for the race, but also they had a get here grant. Um, yeah, that was big. It's often the travel. That's the most kind of exclusive part of it. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, um, I guess, optimistic about the future of events. Right. Um, do you have any um, events that you would recommend to the community or for folks who are looking to, to try out an event or two? I mean, I am still very much starting to do events with any forethought again. <laughs> um, can't suggest Steamboat highly enough ever. Oh, they're the best. Um, yeah. For, for my specific area, because I think another thing that I'm starting to pay attention to is, at least currently, uh, in bigger circles, the Southeast does not have a lot going on. Okay. Um, I think because I live here, I know of some, but like the big races that people talk about, they kind of pop up all over the country, but I feel like at least my area is kind of a, a gap. Um, so I can't think of any big events that happen down there, although I'm sure there's some wonderful regional and local events, which we shouldn't forget about those. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's one of the big things I would say, first of all, is, and I'm going to have to look up the name of it, but there is one group that does Southeast Gravel. I don't have to look it up. It just came to me, but they do like five events between South Carolina and North Carolina. Um, and they do a really good job. They are, I think they're more just like a regional group putting together some rides, but the, the routes are well-marked and just well-staffed at the aid stations. They're there the whole time. Um, I, I rode one of their events last year and ended up bringing up the rear with two older gentlemen that we just had the best time out that day. Uh, they were both riding tricycle recumbents. Oh my gosh. Uh, they were both the, like they were both in their seventies and above. Uh, and, and we got there and there was still, the other big thing is there was still like food and vendors and several okay, people came finish. up. What? At the finish line, you mean? Yeah. 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 Like yeah. all of that was still there very much. There was still a guy announcing people's names as they cross the finish and like 10 people i think all were, that were involved in the company that set up the sound for announcing people's names but 10 people standing there losing their mind for everybody that came over the finish line um that's so was, heartwarming yeah actually going back to uh rooted vermont same i think there was more cheering and fanfare for the guy who came in very last than there was for the people who came in first yeah um and that just feels so good. Same with Mid-South. I mean, they keep the party going until midnight, two, three in the morning, Heck as yeah. long as it takes for that last person to cross the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, you know, one thing I have, one question I have, 
Um, and you and I both identify as cisgender women. Yes. Um, at least I think, unless anything's changed. <laughs> uh, we can so cut far, so out. good. <laughs> um, but one area that I've been paying a lot of attention to um, is gender inclusion policies. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of friends who identify as non-binary. And it seems like a fairly simple thing for these events to add that non-binary category um, or gender expansive or kind of whatever you want to call it. But we're not seeing it happen all over the place. Yeah. And it's it's frustrating to see uh, my friends have to tick a box that doesn't apply to them or, you know, choosing to opt out of the event altogether because they don't feel like they are welcome there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. We, we, we're about to get into a conversation with Greer and she's going to share some, uh, thoughts that she has on ways that other events can be more inclusive. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. You know, what makes you feel included at an event? Yeah. Is it when they ask for your dietary preferences? Is it marketing? Like I was talking about, um, or is it kind of just an overall feeling? I don't know. Um, and today we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Steamboat Gravel, which has quickly become a highlight of my calendar every year. Uh, 2023 will be my third year doing it. And I believe the fourth year for the event, um, I was first able to attend in 2021 and I went by myself. Um, okay. I, of course I had friends there, but, um, I didn't have any plans to, you know, ride with a team or to do anything super special aside from leading the all bodies on bikes ride. Um, that was our first shakedown ride that was <laughs> over 500 people. I think, super small, you know, super chill, super tiny. Uh, <laughs> but I think that was really the event that opened my eyes to the potential of all bodies on bikes. I remember when I crossed the finish line, um, I had done, I think the 64 mile ride that year, there was a woman who I had never met standing there with a cardboard sign that said way to ride Marley hashtag all bodies on bikes. Heck yeah. And I was like, who are you? And she was like, Oh, I just, you know, saw on your Instagram that you were coming up from Denver uh, or excuse me, that you were coming up. So I drove out from Denver to be at the finish line for you. And that was really a moment of, Oh my gosh. So, I mean, obviously from that, I fell in love with steamboat gravel, but yeah. also the scenery is unreal. The community is amazing. And I saw something there that really struck a chord. There, there was a team there called Ride for Racial Justice. And it was made up of riders from across the country of different athletic abilities, different sizes and shapes. But their purpose was really to ride for racial justice and to bring attention to the issues around racial injustice in the United States yeah. and in our communities. And I kind of saw what they did in terms of community building and allyship and really having a safe space for their riders. And it made me think, huh, could we do this with an all bodies on bikes team? Oh, they got Marley thinking. They, they got me thinking. <laughs> uh oh. And that was really where the ball started rolling. Um, you know, one of the, the weird things about being in the role that I'm in is I have access to race directors and I just kind of make myself known. And so I introduced myself to the team and kind of planted the seed of, hey, what you're doing with Ride for Racial Justice is really cool. Do you think there's any room to do that with other groups? Um, and then fast forward a year, you were in Steamboat with me. I was. Along with, what was it, 14 other people? Yeah, we had a great group. Can you can you tell us a little bit about um, what your experience was like on the All Bodies on Bikes Steamboat Gravel team? I can, for sure. Um, I think the best part of that 
for me was the like the fact that you put so much work into having the monthly meetings moving into that. Uh, so we were, I already considered you guys more like close friends than some people I've known longer. Um, but yeah, getting into steamboat, just I'm coming from North Carolina. So like we have mountains, but no, we don't turns out, turns <laughs> out real fast learn that. Um, so it was, it was just the riding and the scenery and being with our people that we had gotten to know that we were pretty comfortable with, but then also being at the event and having people come up and be like, Hey, like we we followed the group. We've met you guys online from the Instagram posts. And we're all like, what? No. <laughs> um, but, but being the person or one of the people for other cyclists who are really nervous to come out to these events because they feel left out or they don't feel important when they go to these types of events, being a person that they could look and see and be like, you know what? Maybe it's not that scary. There are going to be other people there. Um, and so maybe I'll, maybe I'll just try the thing. And if you, everybody said it, but I can also now say it cause I've done it. If you like gravel even a little bit and go ride in steamboat, you're going to be hooked for sure, for sure. So knowing that we helped people make that final step into actually going out and riding either last year or next year, or whenever you go do it, go do it. Um, <laughs> that's, that's like the best part of the entire experience. Yeah. So I guess, um, a big too long, didn't read synopsis. We took 15 athletes. We call them non-traditional athletes. And yes, that was how we put the application process out and we, um, equipped them Well, they had to bring their own bicycles. Uh, but we, we trained them up and we supported each other. And then in August of last year, we all met up in steamboat. All right. With that, let's bring Greer Van Dyke on. Let's do that. That sounds fun. Think about everything you take with you on a bike ride snacks, tools, a spare tube. It all has to go somewhere, and sometimes your jersey pockets just aren't the right choice. That is where Fierce Hazel comes in. Fierce Hazel is designed to help get you outside, and they make sustainable bike bags for epic adventures. Fierce Hazel is a woman-led accessory brand who makes eco-friendly bike accessories, including ultra-light riding pouches, bike wallets, backpacks, and bike bags. Their products are durable, functional, and uniquely designed so you can worry less and experience more. Fierce Hazel is offering All Bodies on Bikes listeners 20% off. That's right, 20% off. Just use the code ALLBODIES at checkout. Go to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash allbodies for 20% off your purchase. And, you know, honestly, one of the best things about Fierce Hazel is that their products are designed for all types of cyclists, whether you're a recreational rider or a racer or a bike packer or somewhere in between, they've got a product that will definitely meet your needs. All of their accessories are lightweight, durable, and rainproof, and they're made with sustainability at the forefront. So you can expect lots of upcycled products and really well thought out designs. Again, check out Fierce Hazel today and use the special discount code ALLBODIES for 20% off your purchase. Go to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash ALLBODIES for 20% off your purchase. Thanks for being a great supporter of the show, Fierce Hazel. To live your healthiest, longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. 
Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. This next, next part is really wild, Maggie. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, the rate at which you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. I just did this test and my biological age is 10 years older. So we're working oh. on bringing that down right now. That's okay. Yeah. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. Nice. For me, that means more uh, olive oil in my diet. Oh. Olive oil and vitamin D are my personalized recommendations. Uh, did you also know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? That means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax-free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash feisty for 20% off today. Hey listeners, it's Marley, and I'm here today to tell you about one of our brand new podcast sponsors, Clawtree. As you probably know, I'm a huge music nerd. When I'm on a walk, a ride, or traveling, you can bet I'm listening to something, which is why I'm absolutely thrilled to be working with Clawtree. Clawtree produces headphones with patented bone conduction technology, which means you can experience every note, beat, and chorus from your favorite music while still being able to hear the world around you. Their unique design allows you to stay aware of your surroundings while still getting the full experience of your music. The headphones are totally comfortable and stable, water and sweat resistant, super lightweight, and stay in place during any activity. An added bonus is how quickly they charge and their battery life, up to eight hours. That's almost as long as most of my rides. They have a new tree planting program. So for every purchase made from the Claw Tree website, they will be planting a tree, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. And they have a goal to plant up to 5,000 trees. You could try them out for yourself. Go to www.clawtree.co slash discount slash feisty and use the code feisty for 15% off your order. That's K-L-A-T-R-E dot C-O slash discount slash feisty and use the code feisty for 15% off your order. That's F-E-I-S-T-Y. Clawtree is also looking for retail and marketing partners. So if you happen to own a bike shop and want more information on these awesome bone conduction headphones, definitely get in touch with Clawtree. From the Steamboat Gravel team. Um, so we've got Greer. I'm hoping I'm saying this right. I should have confirmed before the episode. Greer Van Dyke. Van Dyke. Yes. Nice. Woo. You got it. Oh, Van Dyke. Van Dyke. Yeah. Van Dyke. Awesome. So we've got Greer Van Dyke joining us today. And I want to read a little bio that she sent us. Um, so Greer is the community relations director for Steamboat Gravel and has been working with the event since 2019 when it started. Um, if you all remember, there was a pandemic, so um, years are a little bit nebulous, but she started working with him in 2019. <laughs> 
Um, supporting advocacy and community efforts are where Greer spends her focus, supporting and expanding the initiatives and causes that Steamboat stands for, such as age, body, and ethnicity inclusivity. Community engagement and riding bikes are also two of her greatest passions and loves how her work with Steamboat Gravel combines the two so naturally. Thank you so much for joining us today, Greer. Yeah, this is awesome, truly. It's great to be here. <laughs> uh, before we dive into the questions, one of my favorite, um, I guess, just experiences and things that I think really sums up Steamboat was what happened last year with Yasmin's bike. Um, do you Aww. want to tell us a little bit about that? Can I? Yes, I'm happy yes, to. Please. Let's see here. So my real, my engagement with Yasmin prior leading up were these monthly all body on bikes calls, which I'm happy to expand into if that's helpful for listeners, but um, these supportive monthly calls where the team could get to know one another and grab support from um, subject matter experts, nutrition, training, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I really only had known her on by way of Zoom, you know, on these group calls and I get a text or a call. I can't remember because I was in the flurry of Steamboat Gravel. I want to say it was the day before race day, maybe two days before race day. And just really worried. You know, I think what, what it felt like was there for her was she got really present to the preparation and the time and the anticipation and the nerves and all of these emotions. And there was an issue with getting her bike there. And the cool thing about being on the SBT team is I'm not riding that weekend. So she was like, if you know of anybody, I know this is last minute, um, if anyone who has an extra gravel bike. And I was like, well, no one up until this point has asked me for mine, which in prior years, it, you, it happens like, which has been cool. I will say that I've never ridden SBT on race day, but my bike has ridden every year on SBT. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so awesome. cool. Um, <laughs> Which I think is really great. So anyway, synced up with Yasmin, was able to let her use my bike. And uh, she was like, is there is there any requirement that you have for me? And I was like, the only thing I have, because I have these lightning bolt and star charms on my bike. I was like, the charms stay. If I get the bike yes. back and the charms are gone, we have a problem. No, but, <laughs> you, you know, truly that was very, very special for me. I a, was very happy she reached out because I know that's a hard thing to do, asking for help. And it was very meaningful that I could, uh, again, have my bike riding SBT yeah. every year. Yeah. So. I think it just <laughs> demonstrates how much of a community the Steamboat Gravel family mm -hmm. really is. Absolutely. Um, so how did you get involved with Steamboat Gravel? Yeah. So, um, you know, known, known Amy Charity for a long time and in the beginning in 2019, you know, she, she had reached out and asked, you know, are you able to you know, play a role, help us out with some volunteer efforts. Do you have time and bandwidth for that? I had also, um, I had a full-time job at the time, but the, the support they needed around volunteers and with the, with the race at the size that it was, you know, it was very possible for me. So worked in a pretty limited capacity, helping with volunteers. And so, um, you know, knew Amy was friends with Amy and, and she asked if I had time or interest in being a part of this bike race that she and, and two others were putting on at the time. So, it was, it's been very meaningful to, and Marley, I know you get this, right? To be at something from its inception, right? And to be present to the struggles and the hardships and the immense successes and, and achievements. It's just, it, you create this very personal connection with where you are in that moment with something you've worked really hard on. And, and so, yeah, my role started out with as volunteer support and then ran volunteer coordination and then has since moved more into this community piece, which is 
Truly, and as you mentioned in the bio, you know, the advocacy work, the community engagement and bikes, it's my heart is so filled by being able to be a part of it in this way. So it's been great. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. You do such a good job with like interacting with the community. Oh, thank as well. you. Yeah, for sure. How, <laughs> like, what's your relationship with, how did you get into community organizing relationship yeah, stuff? Yeah, I mean, you can thank Mama Van Dyke for that. My, <laughs> my mom growing up, she, she always really reinforced this, be a servant of your community, right? This giving is the new getting and you know, the, the experience that you have from helping another, right. That was instilled in me very young. Um, it's why I pursued nursing, right. As a career, um, it's what took me into mental health, which is in large measure, what I do now mm-hmm. supporting others. I, my, up, I don't think I knew that you were, I did not either, but it makes oh, sense. It does. Yeah. Make sense. My, um, my, so I actually, my, my main work is around leadership development right now. So I support organizations and companies and culture and people and connecting them, especially through change. COVID made my work very relevant, but the what I got really present to, which really helped informed all of the work that I do now is what are the conversations that I enjoy having and who do I enjoy having them with? And how do I set up my life so that I'm having those conversations? And so- this is an exact example of that. Like these conversations fill my cup. And so, yeah, it's, now I forgot what the question was. I totally forgot where I was going, but, was oh, how did I get involved in the community? Yeah, we were talking about kind of yeah. servant leadership. And- yeah, and and that has really perpetuated through my life. And and while I I always follow the feeling. So I, I put myself in the environments where that service really resonates and aligns with my values. And I work hard at that. Um, and so, like I said, kind of in the in the bio piece, love bikes, have always loved bikes. And so to have relationships and a role where I can really support the two at the same time, dream. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so <laughs> incredible. And, you know, it's one thing to have your personal convictions to feel like, you know, you want to be an agent of change and a voice for the community and servant leadership. But you've got to have buy-in from the event or the organization that you're working on. So can you tell us a little bit about why this work is matters to Steamboat Gravel and why there has been such a focus put on, you know, inviting different communities to Steamboat? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is a conversation that was being had from the beginning of the planning of this event was, and, and I know that, you know, the, the term inclusivity can, can be thrown around a lot. And so we worked hard, especially in the beginning of, okay, this is the current landscape of bike events, right? This is what the general experience is, you know, stakes are high, a lot of nerves, a lot of pressure, a lot of how much can I do and how well can I do it? And what I would say that I really felt conviction around moving the needle was, is, is around those micro moments, Right. How do we create feelings of comfort in the micro moments, right? In every way we choose to communicate with people. If we're going to fight for inclusivity, we need to really get clear about what that means to us and what is the feeling we're trying to elicit, right, from our efforts. And so I'm, I'm in huge admiration of Amy and what she's created just in being a yes for let's try things on, right? 
Yeah. Let's let's yeah. partner with people yeah. who are doing work that is so meaningful to us and see if they would be interested in trying things on, which is how the Ride for Racial Justice thing came about, which is how the All Bodies on Bikes thing came about. And we're actually working to have a really similar conversation with para-athletes. How do we create a team? Yeah. yeah. And so again, I think it becomes this snowball effect that this is the thing people were craving. And I think there were just some mindset things that got in the way, like, oh, maybe that's too big or maybe it's not quite possible or, oh man, the industry is too established. And yeah. now it just feels like, okay, what next, you know? And <laughs> that's a place of luxury, right? Because um, it, it hasn't always been that way. Right. Um, and what I would say is that, you know, I feel really, really passionate that SBT is way more than a bike race or a ride even. That mm -hmm. is, it is an experience and All Bodies on Bikes is a huge example of this, you know, applications happened and, and then monthly calls start, right? It yep. becomes actually a multi-month experience leading up to this kind of capstone, right? Yeah, and exactly. so- how do we create, and that's what we really wanted to do with SBT too, which is like, how do we make it a year round place of comfort and excitement and joy versus, okay, you're on your own in preparation for August, 2020, right? 2022, oh my God, 20, seriously, <laughs> August, 2022, right? We really want, and that was part of like the community engagement piece too. How do we create an experience of you're not alone, that actually we've got your back and this is what that looks like. So I know there's a lot there and I know that I kind of kept it high level, but in essence that, that has motivated the efforts and it's, it's why it's important to us because we just saw an opportunity and a need and it's really been validated because it's just, people are soaking it up. Right? Oh yeah. Everybody's what, oh, go ahead. No, I was just, everybody's looking for that connection. Absolutely. Yeah. And and thinking about it too, of like inclusivity means a lot of things, which is why we launched the juniors category, right? Like how do we create age inclusivity here, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Having our youngest rider be seven and our oldest rider be in their mid eighties to us is just awesome. Yeah, that those age groups felt comfortable because that's what it's about. I felt yeah. comfortable enough to try. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting hearing you talk about this because your approach is so positive and like, well, why wouldn't we do it? It's good for the community. It's good for us. Yeah. It's what needs to happen. But you look at other events and not every event is doing this. Um, you know, I was just at a panel the other day and it was literally six white men and one woman. And obviously very different uh, panel versus a huge bike event. But just those little touches that I've come to expect out of the world after having worked with events like Steamboat Gravel, I realized that we're not all there yet. No, we're not. And I think to our earlier conversation, you know, being on this side of the event, you need to be open and available that not everyone is there yet. How do you create curiosity around the people with the people that aren't there yet? How do you create openness and community while being on that panel and seeing, oh man, there's room here. How do yeah. I stay open right to the dialogue? So it's not easy, but I think it's simple, not easy. It's just simple, not complicated. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love last year you had a, I think your name tag said the director of saying yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. That's my full-time job. <laughs> I love it because, you know, even if it's like, Hey Greer, can we, I don't know, do this crazy thing with a happy hour and then a panel and then this thing. 
And your brain was probably like, Marley, what are you thinking? But you were like, yes, let's figure it out together. Figure it out. Yeah. I'm all, I'm, I'm here for it. So kind of on that note, I would love to hear what some of the challenges are of being inclusive. Um, what does that look like? You know, what issues have you run into? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that fundamentally the issues that we have run into have been a, a byproduct of fear, right? Mm. Like we get pushback. Um, we are called, you know, exclusive, right? Um, that you're being called exclusive by people who don't feel like there's a place for them or or that some of the decisions that we've made have locked certain people out. Okay. So, so what I'd say to push back and to, um, disrespect, right, frankly, or to interpretations of our agenda, right, is how are we communicating that we're doing the best we can? How are we communicating that this is about progress over perfection? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are we communicating um, openness to what the real source of the issue is, right? We yeah. ask a lot of questions. That's what we do with barriers, right? Or, yeah. or disrespect or things that we, you know, things that we do that have negative reactions, right? We ask questions like help us understand so we can keep learning why this policy that we just released actually does still lock people out to mm-hmm. like help us through that, right? Um, I think there's also just this, ex- this personal acceptance journey that I've gone on that it's unreasonable to think that we're going to make everyone happy or feel included. Right. And it's actually not our job to do that. Yep. But that's really hard. That is a hard thing we always talk about, right. Which is how are, how is the team supporting one another in yeah, that disappointment because it's real. So Yeah, those are some of the challenges that we bump up against or, you know, I mean, I'd say in my role in particular too, you know, getting the community on board, right? We're a big event. Yeah. Big events have big impact and and I work hard to keep those conversations going. Help me understand from your point of view where the bottlenecks are, right? Yeah. So it's everywhere. And I say that it's exhausting at times, right. To constantly be open to that dialogue, but that openness to the dialogue gives us the best shot of moving forward. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, kind of a follow-up on that, as far as the actual logistics of inviting more people to the table, whether they are slower or bigger bodied or asking Mm -hmm. for bigger size clothing or wheelchair accessibility, you know, do you have any anecdotes or stories where you're like, oh my gosh, I thought that that was going to be an impossible barrier to get over. And then we got there or, you know, something we hadn't anticipated. Just curious about that. If you don't, that's okay. No. Well, I can, I can really speak to the, something we didn't anticipate and I'm kicking myself a little bit about it. I'd had a conversation with um, a para-athlete who had joined us last year and this individual was very gracious with time and learning and openness to the dialogue, which I was so happy about, you know, because that's not always the case. If someone has a particularly not positive experience about something, there's this tendency to just kind of be alone and grumbly about that. Again, how are we all 
how are all ships rising with that mentality? Um, so I was very grateful for this time. And this individual had noted how there were only stairs leading up to the stage for the podium. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. I had this moment of genuine shock of how we missed it. Yep. Yeah. And I was able to be candid about that. And yeah, this individual, again, had so much, you know, generosity with not only like the energetic piece, but the physical time to talk through that and something we can take easy action on because what we realized from this individual's experience was he had chatted with a handful, a large amount of para-athletes who avoided the award ceremony altogether because they didn't want to have the experience of maybe needing to get to the stage and not being able to. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Totally. Yeah. What a mess. Huge. And just having the the humility to admit that. I mean, I've made mistakes yes. like that before. Um, the, the apparel company that we got our team kits with, um, they are my personal sponsor. So I was like, oh yeah, they'll totally work. And the clothing did not work for everybody. So I yeah. think it goes back to what you said, progress, not perfection, admitting when you're wrong and yes. doing better the next time. Well, and I was like, well, we blew it and, and w- an easy fix with a big impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one that's just, yeah, has stood out for me from the unanticipated piece. Yeah. Right. Well, and I like the, having the conversations is important, but as so many things are, that's just the first step. Like the listening part is where people tend to kind of fall off a bit, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, you're talking about some of the harder things and some of the the better things, but harder things specifically, if somebody's listening to this, who hosts an event and they're thinking of the harder things and they're just like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to mess with it. What, what would you say to them is the reason that they should push through the hard things and, and try it and make their event more inclusive? Yeah. I mean, I would first ask what feels so hard about <laughs> making some of these changes. Right. But that's, yeah. you know, the coach in me that you always start with questions. I would also really re- reinforce that small changes can make big differences. And so if there's a feeling of overwhelm around needing to make all these changes, start with the highest one or two that are priority that could move the needle a little bit. Yeah. Start to gather that data from the demographics you're wanting to support, right? Ask for what's the one thing I could be doing. And it's, it's a conversation that I know we've had before, which is like, acknowledge that it's uncomfortable remind yourself that we can do hard things, right? And be willing to push through that and just be willing to see how could I grow from this? How could this event grow from this? So I think there's, because what I'll say, uh, being on this side of it at this point with SBT is the reward from knowing that you're giving something a shot, even if it didn't produce the outcome that you intended or hoped for, is un- an unbelievable feeling because they do get acknowledged, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what I would say. It's and yeah, reach out. Also, I'll talk to you about it more, right? <laughs> that person is. It's just it's not easy, but I think it takes a village. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, you heard it here for first, folks, if you need help. Um, but you should also pay Greer for her time if you do ask for her help. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I have kind of a funny question. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Steamboat Gravel and Unbound and all these other, not all of them, but a lot of these events are races. People are competing. There's prize money being given out. Um, how does your team balance both the community aspect of knowing, you know, there's going to be folks on the course for 12, 14, 16 hours and the competitive part of it. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, working with your media teams and the police escorts or who's ever out there, how do you balance both sides of that? Yeah, that's a good question too, because I think there is this inevitability that there's going to be a competitive experience to the whole thing. We actually work hard at Um, engaging community partners for our aid stations, right? And so having them encouraging children and families and um, fun experiences to be created at all the aid stations, right? To re-engage that sense of fun, right? Re-engage that sense of like, hey, we got you. You just, you look like you could use a Coke, right? Um, To tell you a story about the aid station and a Coke when you're done with this part. Oh, noted. Okay. and little fun challenges along the way, like Shammy Butter did an amazing job, right, of, of an activation. We grabbed um, a ski lift chair from the resort and had a photo op. Um, we we work really hard at what are the fun elements that we can have on course to allow for that choose your adventure experience, Mm -hmm. because there are going to be the people who don't need that and don't want that. They're after something kind of different. And they're going to be the people where that actually saves the day for them. Right. So, and what I would say is that also extends to the, the days before, um, the event as well. So, you know, Alpine Bank puts on their toddler race, which is arguably the most adorable thing. (laughs) Those aged one to three on their striders at the expo. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, junior shakeout rides, the all bodies on bikes, shakeout rides, like these, these events that again, because I think that the shifts happen in those micro moments, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, I feel like that's, that's something I would be willing to try, right? I'm terrified about race day, but I could go check out the expo and, and look at this toddler race or join the junior shakeout ride as well. So we, we work really, really hard at that because we want people to walk away from SBT thinking that it was an experience versus a ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really big for us. And yeah. I think that happens in the days leading up. I think you're absolutely correct. Um, going back to your point about the community partners, uh, this year, um, I was at the top, of, or I thought I was at the top of Mount Butter. I was not. I was only at the top of the Strava climb, but there was oh. an aid station there. And it was kind of the beginning of that crazy thunderstorm. But we oh pulled up and there was like, I don't know, five or six kids there. And this one little kid was just had two Cokes in his hand, was shaking him up behind his back handed one to me and said, Hey, do you want this? And I was like, no, I just saw you shaking that, but my friend wants it. <laughs> no, Marley. Marley. It was just like, I don't know. Like you said, the silliness and yeah. they were having a good time. The weather was absolutely horrible, but everybody was just happy to see us and give us a little bit of encouragement. So I, I think so what great. you said about, you know, balancing it and having something fun for everybody is, is totally key. So thank you for doing all those that work on that. Yeah. yeah, of course. So we're hoping that SPT is going to just 
be the longest running race in the history of the universe um as we're moving forward and and y'all are having the conversations and and hearing people say things that maybe need to be changed a little bit what what do you see as the big future for inclusion at spt or any event i'm so it's it's hard to answer this question with tactics right i tend to see it more of like energetically what do i see and I see ex- expanding on this foundation. And I know and I know that that's nebulous, right? But how do we take what we're doing and continuing to sharpen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the what are the demographics that we haven't created a lot of room room for explicitly yet, right? Yeah. So what I see and what my hope is for other events too is how do we continue upping our game with this? And I think a lot of it happens through experiencing SBT so that you can come to us and say, here's an opportunity. Because Mm -hmm. what we do with all of that feedback is we have real meaningful dialogue about it, but we have to have the feedback in order to act on it. So what I see is continuation, right? That is my hope is that we continue in this way. Um, And I'd put the question back on y'all. What do y'all see? as the future of inclusion at SBT, just specifically? Oh, goodness. See, not yeah, an easy question. Exactly. Not an easy question. <laughs> and this is going to, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound wrong. Um, the bar has been set so low for events. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, Simo Gravel has raised it immensely, but you guys were really the first event besides Bike MS, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit here with Maggie, where I felt like my body was just fine the way it was. I didn't have to race. There was things on course for me. Um, I haven't really felt that at a whole lot of other events. So I don't know. Uh, I actually, I've got one thing that I would love to see is whatever apparel brands um, Mm -hmm. companies are working with, that they're truly size inclusive. Um, I know it's hard. I know it's not an easy thing, but there's nothing more demoralizing than, you know, going to the the store to check out and they don't have your size. And it's like, oh, cool. I guess I'll wear a pair of socks. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think for me personally, because I'm a lot of the things I saw at SBT, I'm wanting to go to some local events and take to them. So like, oh. I would love uh, if, if you and Micah and Amy and everybody who's kind of in charge of SBT did maybe a panel discussion on mm. how we could approach local events um, and yeah. sort of take back some of that inclusion to where we're coming from and and making sure that there are more rides around that are at least starting to have the conversation. Oh man, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking a panel, you know, at outdoor retailer or um, yeah. bikes or one of those conferences where you do have the, the movers and the shakers and ha- here you guys actually talk about, Hey, here's what we did. Here's why we did yeah. it. Here's why it matters. And here's what the results have been in our yeah. community. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I'll definitely take that back to the team. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Cause I do, I mean, there, I, it would be such a meaningful use of me to say like, oh, this is what we've tried and this is what's worked and this is what hasn't and be willing to try it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I just have one last question for you, Greer. It has been such a great conversation for you or with you. Um, if you had a magic wand, is there any group of people or person or somebody that you would bring to Steamboat Gravel as part of your inclusion work? Well, in light of the the conversation too, that we 
so Annika Wade, I don't know if y'all know Annika. She's amazing. She is. And I've just recently been connected with her personally. Like I knew her by way of um, Ride for Racial Justice and, and her involvement with that team. But I would, I have been so inspired and touched by how she has navigated her new life. Mm -hmm. And I think that it would it would do an, an an immense thing around positivity and hope and honesty for our event to include her in a bigger way. I would love to kind of pull her in and see what amazing things could be done together. However, and I did I did read this question earlier and it's such an interesting feeling to see this question and be really present to I'm elated with who I'm working with. To be able to receive that question and to have my cup already full in that way is a big yeah. deal for me. So I would say Annika and I'm stoked with who I'm working with. <laughs> I, I love that so much. Um, well, you guys are doing absolutely phenomenal work. Thank you. Um, we just selected our team and actually you helped us with that to select Woo! our 2023 so Steamboat team. We've got our first call. Coming up in the next couple of weeks. So I'm excited. Watch out, world. It's a good yeah. group. <laughs> excited. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank yeah. you so much for all of your work. Um, and we would just welcome comments or questions from folks about if they run events and just let us know. Love it. Thank you for having me on here. It's awesome. Thank you. See you in Steamboat. Hey Woohoo. This is an All Bodies on Bikes podcast powered by Feisty Media. The show is produced by Maggie and Marley and edited by the team at Feisty Media. Thanks for listening. Hey, Maggie, I have a question for you. Okay. If a bike has four wheels, is mm -hmm. it still a bicycle? Ooh, you know, I don't know. But what I do know is that is exactly the kind of bike our new sponsor, Par Bikes, makes. Par Bikes are extremely adjustable, and they work great for riders of any size, age, or physical fitness level. Par Bikes are uniquely designed. They are four-wheel bikes offering additional stability that traditional two- or three-wheel bikes just don't have. With a weight capacity of up to 700 pounds and height adjustability for folks four foot three to seven feet plus, this bike will work for your entire family. And these bikes are super sturdy. They are handcrafted in the USA and they are shipped 99% assembled. And so you can get options for one or two seaters, electrified or not. And that means that there is a par bike for everybody. Dang, these bikes sound really cool. Uh, even cooler, though, is if you use the code ALLBODIES, you can get $100 off um, at parbikes.com. That's P-A-R-B-I-K-E-S.com. And use the code ALLBODIES for $100 off. Happy riding! Maggie, I have found a new ride snack that I am absolutely obsessed with, and I am so excited that they're now one of our sponsors. Have you heard of JoJ Bars? I have heard of JoJ Bars. 
Have you tried them yet? Do you have a favorite flavor? Okay, so listen. Uh, one of the flavors that I have tried so far is maple bacon pancake something something. And you open the package. I was had low expectations for a bar that tastes like breakfast. But you open the package and you're like, who just started cooking pancakes? Because Ooh. it smells just exactly like that. And I have it was not delicious. I haven't tried that one yet, but I'm really excited because I do have a box with all the different bars. Um, Well, let's talk about JoJ bars and why we love them so much. Uh, So they're definitely a bar worth sharing. Yeah. Um, They were actually founded by a chef and pro cyclist, Jess Sarah, who frequents the Feisty Podcast, which we love. Uh, she was tired of the syrupy, sticky, crumbly, overly sugary bars out there. Oh, yeah. We definitely know what that's all about. Who, so yeah. there's three things that distinguish JoJ bars from the rest. Okay. Um, one, they're baked like a cookie, giving them an absolutely amazing texture. And you and I yes. can both confirm this because we've gotten mm-hmm. a chance to eat them. Uh, two, they're made with only real food ingredients like dried fruit nuts seeds and honey uh they also have balanced macros to keep you fueled without crashing or feeling overly full we like all of those things we do like all those things and three uh we kind of alluded to this but they have really delicious and unique flavors like lemon berry quinoa white chocolate coconut blondie and maggie's favorite pancakes and bacon seriously so good and all of the bars are gluten-free which is fantastic. So if any of that or all of that appeals to you, you can go to jojbar.com. That is J-O-J-E bar.com. And if you use the code FEISTY, you get 20% off a one-time purchase and subscriptions. Awesome. Thank you so much for your uh, sponsorship, JoJ Bars. And yes. I can't wait to eat these all summer long on all of my adventures. All the rides. 